0: If you would like to join a community of like-minded agency owners and scale your business while doing so, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash call to explore options on how we can help you scale your agency. What is good agency owners? This is Jordan Ross, founder of Eight Figure Agency. Today's conversation is going to be epic. We have one of the fastest growing agencies that ADEF has ever worked with, probably one of the fastest growing agencies in the marketplace. Jacob Levine, AKA Straightline Advertising on Twitter. He's the founder of Effie Growth Partner and The Growth Partner. So he has a, two businesses, serial entrepreneur. And I brought him on this call because in 2022, he went from being a solopreneur to having a merger and becoming a partner in a business to adding in a nine month span about 180,000 pounds, I think per month exited that business, and then went to build a second business, which is going, Jacob, that business going to generate like, what, like 200,000 pounds this month?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so
0: now, now he has two businesses that are, if they do not grow this year, they'll probably do close to five mil if they don't grow. You and Jordan have barely been in business for a year. Ten months. <laughs> Insane, not even a year. So you think about meeting someone and within one year, you're building a $5 million run rate business. They're going to fucking blow past that by the time they hit 12 months. So Jacob, for those of the listeners that don't know you, for those of the viewers that have never followed you on Twitter, one, go follow Straight Line Advertising on Twitter. <laughs> that's that's our, our boy or our main mate here, as you guys say in the, the UK. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if that's an expression. Um, What do they got to know about you? Who are you? What are your agencies? And let's dive in.
1: Firstly, thank you for having me. You've been chasing me for this for a little while. uh, Months, months. but who's counting, but (laughs) you're worth it. You're worth the wait. Uh, I appreciate that. Jordan obviously gave me a fantastic introduction there, but my name um, is Jacob. Most of you will probably know me as Straight Line Advertising. I've been in marketing for a while now, since I was about 15, 16. I actually started in advertising, hence the name, but it was all direct response. It was all generating leads, generating cash. That was where I started even back in the day, there's never any of the kind of pretty websites or anything like that. It was, my focus was always on kind of collecting cash, collecting those leads. And I um, went to university, I did a marketing degree there, learned nothing. Decided no. for- <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> I, I, I can contribute absolutely zero from my marketing degree to where I am now, which is, yeah, it's a whole nother conversation in and of itself. But in terms of, kind of my journey, just at kind of high level for those of you who maybe yeah, don't know me. I started an agency when I was around 19. I grew up for about three years, so it was like 1920. Did that, went from kind of negative when I started. I invested all my money into courses. Like I was like, I'm just going to make it work. Um, then decided that, grew that. It was kind of me my, and my girlfriend. We were growing that together while we were at university. We got to around $66,000 or around £50,000 from that towards the end. But what I had realized is that it was just kind of a glorified job. And I had essentially built this kind of prison for myself where I couldn't go to- Agency prison? What? It really is true. Like Agencies are a great cash flow business, but built wrong. And it just is that. And it's like, you have to work harder than other people would to make a little bit extra money which is great. Like, and, and that's a trade-off I made for a while, but I realized it wasn't the end goal. For me, the end goal now is, you know, exits. It's looking at building businesses that run about me. It's looking at where can we get, you know, a hundred mil exit, which is the goal we're going for in the end. Go. And go. that's really what business is about and its core fundamentals. When you look at all of the people that we look up to, you know, the Jeff Bezos, even Mars, like, they're building businesses with real enterprise value and that's where the real money and the, the entrepreneurial gain is made so that's really where i've made the shift over the last 12 months and you know, as rightly said i have a business partner jordan he we met around 11 months ago i think we met it's about our one year this month actually since we been flying back in our
0: dms right now to see when the when the first, when you slid into mine
1: yeah um which was similar yeah we, me and jordan met at the same time we kind of first spoke as well and it's about a year since I've met a business partner. We decided to go into business together around May time. So again, like 10 months-ish, we've been partners. We built a what we call as FE Growth Partner, which is what I said, which is basically sales and marketing and is helping companies grow, specifically focusing on revenue generating activities and helping them basically solve two things, which is generating demand and also helping them close that demand, which is a massive problem. A lot of agencies will face, regardless if you're in ads, you're in lead gen, anything like that, you can generate leads and opportunities, but it doesn't mean that they're closing them. So we kind of took that approach, combined my skill, which was marketing, Jordan's skill, which was sales, and then added in kind of the offer creation. And that's kind of how we've grown all of our partners over you know, the last uh, nine months. As you said, 179K last month, um, USD, which is about 130, 140,000 pounds. And then last month, we decided that it was time to kind of take this a step further and start building kind of an ecosystem of what we're doing. So we kind of announced and launched the growth partner, which again, as you said, we'll do around 200,000 this month as well. So two businesses in a very healthy state, and we have a big team behind that to support that too.
0: Well, first, thank you so much for the overview, and to give specific context, we Started DMing. The first DM I got tagged in a post with you on March tenth, twenty twenty two. Uh, for those of you that are curious, we're recording this on March fifteenth, twenty twenty three. So uh, you know, it looks like our first call we had was in the on the twenty uh, looks twenty fifth, thirtieth. So we spoke at the end of March about a year ago. And let let's go there, right? So when we met, you still hadn't formed a partnership with your partner yeah. Jordan, and we got on a call instant vibe right like instant connection it, it's kind of like one of those moments like where they say real recognize real and for everyone listening I, I think it's so critical right like when jacob and i meet when i meet guys like him i meet wiz i meet jordan if you are not legit people will sniff that out in a minute like in a minute jacob said when i was 15 16 i started doing this game right so when i get a call with him a year ago he's 23 uh you know he's been doing this for eight years already so i get on the call and i'm like whoa this guy's legit as fuck right so jacob what happened we spoke you're like you need to work with this guy jordan we i talked to jordan he's like i need to work with you and then you hit me back up he's like yeah, i'm actually <laughs> gonna partner with him so
1: uh, what was
0: that what were, what were your first few months like because when we started working with each other there's nothing no systems jordan just knows how to sell and you have like one client so doing like 10 yeah ten thousand pounds a month um <laughs> what did we do in the early stages of this from what you recall
1: when we engaged, I had already made the conscious decision that I was going to go with you at that point. And then I introduced you to Jordan as well. And then I remember <laughs> me and Jordan both messing you at one point. Actually, we're just going to do it together. And from that point, like essentially, we were starting with a blank slate in terms of what we could do, which is good. And we had all that kind of potential there to really take this as far as we want. We knew between me and Jordan, like the only thing that's going to trip us up was operations. Like we didn't have a problem with marketing. We didn't have a problem with sales and like we could get clients. Like we already had people like the first month we worked together, we started like four clients, all like basically 70, 80, 90 K deals over the course of that kind of year. So it wasn't hard for us to get clients. It was harder for us to build operational back end and scale it which is the problem with like any service-based business like the hardest point in service-based business is not getting clients it's managing those clients is fulfilling those clients and it's kind of scaling them and obviously we we get tied into 12 months agreements so we don't have a luxury of kind of messing up otherwise you know 12 months you're either going to get sued or by the end of it the client's going to absolutely despise you for every kind of reason under the sun. And I think that's where straight away we are like, okay, well, we have this gap. We need to do something about it, engage with you. And that's where we started kind of really building that out. And it took a while because, you know, operations isn't something- it actually, it
0: actually didn't take a while. You guys had one of the, <coughs> and for context, we engaged in like April ish, yeah. maybe met may- probably may probably end of April, start of May. Yeah. And by December, you guys were already doing like 120. You guys had gotten as far up to 180, and you already had found like a, what do you call it, the GM of your business? And the, the, you yeah. had found those two guys? Yeah,
1: we, we, have, we have, yeah, a full exec team now. We have um, six of us on the exec team. So in eight months, we went from zero
0: to 180K with a full executive team and you guys were out of the business by December. That's fucking crazy. So let's let's take the the listeners through that journey. How the fuck did you do that? Like, because like you said, it wasn't a sales problem. We had to build this business. And I remember there were some early headaches around talent, around building structure, around managing our talent, training our talent. Like what were some of the, think of the first like three, four months of the engagement. Like what were some of the things that you were learning because you were running you were in the wrong seat. You're a marketer in like the COO seat, which is yeah. not a skill set. So what'd you learn during that time?
1: What happened during that period is we made a lot of mistakes. Like, I think that's the first thing is like, yeah, we, we've got out quickly, but we could have done it in half the time knowing what we know now. And to say that
0: though, right, because we had your back though, right? Because you still have to do the work. It would have taken, you could have done it in half the time, but you would have done it in triple the time or maybe quadruple the time if we didn't have your back doing it with you too. So obviously in hindsight, 2020 could always do it
1: faster. Yeah. Around, but. There's never a point where I think it's not worth having a coach there. Every point in my life I've had some sort of mentor or coach there with us and with me to take me to that next level. And it's still something you know, we implement today. And I think that's the important thing is like when you're first starting stuff, if you don't, Fulfill the operational problems you have at the early stages. As you scale, this is just going to get exponentially worse. Complexity scales so much, like you literally create that kind of prison that we're talking about. The kind of the early stages for us is as quickly as possible was hiring talent. And I think you know when you're hiring talent, especially when you're kind of early in, you look at hiring talent for specific places in the business where brings your energy down, you need to kind of do the manual work. And when we were bringing that talent on, you kind of cut costs as well at the beginning as well. So we learned lessons in that way. Like we knew we had to hire, we'd hire, and we'd hire like the wrong person and set us back. So even though we had the direction it took, that trial and error of really understanding what was needed in each seat of the business. And I think as we got further down the journey, we had a better grasp on what was actually needed per role. Because when you're still new, you don't really fully understand that. You're fulfilling everything and you don't have clarity that you need. Probably two months to hire and operate. And as Sean, you said, I was a COO (laughs) when I'm a marketer. And I was like tricking myself into thinking I was some sort of COO. I'm a terrible operator. Terrible. You're not not terrible. You just, it's just not your (laughs) skill set. and It just strains
0: your energy and i i think most agency owners like you they fucking trick themselves like you tell yourself something long enough you start to believe it right 100%. um and i remember that first i remember that first operator hire i remember young talented dude like really young
1: yeah.
0: and you guys tell me like yeah this guy's going to be your COO. <laughs> and you know and the thing i want to highlight for everyone listening you know you could have the right template you could have the right model you could have the right like and that's what we were giving these guys, Jordan, and Jacob. Like we gave them the mile. How do you interview? How do you qualify? But you still have to understand from a technical level as an interviewer. Like you have to have the right person, the right seat. And sometimes you just you need to be in it. Understand. Oh, like maybe hiring someone that is 19 isn't going to be the person that's going to be our operator because like how the fuck could they be, right? How the fuck could you? How could someone that's never built a business to an eight-figure level consciously? No, there's it's the ambiguity, right? They could be a good operator on a lower level. Hundred percent. I think that's what you—that's what you guys learn, right? This guy's a great. This guy's a killer. He'll, he'll be an exceptional operator and executive in the long term. But he's still very green, right?
1: And that was one of the early learnings, and that's I Hundred percent. And and yeah. also we grew so fast at every level, like we were in like multiple tens of thousands every single month. It's hard for anyone apart from like that A plus talent to keep up. So like you're coming into a business that bringing in new partners and clients and the operator who's never been there, never done it before, even with all all the systems and stuff, that they're trying to keep up. And that was the problem is when you scale so quickly, it brings in its own set of problems, you know, and that's where I think having someone like yourself there was able to give us the direction and limit a lot of additional mistakes we could have made. You know, yeah. And and as well, like in business in whole, like you're always going to make mistakes and you only know that and recognize that when you look back. From what we've learned over the past year, we have the pathway. We're sure to go and hit that 100 million in the next five to 10 years. And that's the goal that we're going for. And the biggest problem we've had to solve has been operations, like has been systems. And and what we found is like, anytime we've pushed up, what happens is you get a spike but you bring in all these, these clients and you can't operation fulfill and then the business takes a dip and it's how quickly you can get it to go back on the up. And we've been very good at turning that around through, you know, engaging with people like yourself, bringing on the right talent and putting more systems in place. That's I think such an important process that people need to go through is building the operational system for scale rather than where you are now. Cause a lot of people look at like, fixing a problem in isolation rather than looking at the wider picture of where you're trying to get to
0: yeah and that's why and then for everyone, that's exactly we're when we go when we build a roadmap we're not building a roadmap for 5 million we're building structures that will scale to 10 20 30 million like there's something that we call that amazon's called first pass yield which means when you do something the first time it's perfect like you don't go back to it you don't retouch it you don't remake it it's done i think what you're talking about every agency owner right i'm a 20k or I'm at 50k, or I'm 100 k or I'm at 150k, I'm going to build this thing. But the mind is just thinking about like the next 50k or the next 100k. Like you need to be able, and this is, it's impossible. If you haven't built an eight figure business, you haven't run or managed an eight figure business, you don't fucking know what it looks like at that scope. It's like having 50 to 100 employees? You have no clue, right? And the thing that I love about what you guys did, you went out and paid for killer talent like at the end of last year. And that's something we've done too, right? We now have. I was doing the math in the shower last night. I'm like, fuck, we're going to pay over a million dollars in salaries this year. That's crazy, right? Yeah. It's fucking nuts. Um, and to think, you know, I quit Amazon three years ago in the summer. What did you learn just like wh- when you go out and hire? Mm. Have two, I have two more specific questions, and the first one's hiring. But what was the difference? You went that You hired tenured leaders, right? All the guys mm. that we bring on. They're all way older than me just like yours is your way older than you right yeah, what did you learn by bringing on someone so tenured like what's the you're making a bigger investment but Hermozi talks about like an A plus player is worth like three or
1: four B or a plus oh, what what did you me, learn from doing that That is the most true statement like every 18 pair we have the difference they make to the business like they can come in and hit the ground running where even with like the B plus players who are like really good, the ramp period is longer and in a business that's changing so quickly some people just can't adapt like even the good talent some people can't adapt and like that's fine like some people aren't built to be in those kind of environments when we've hired the 18 talent they're all more experienced and the reason is like there's a lot of people in the kind of the twitter sphere that are in this little kind of bubble and the experience that's on twitter is so so limited it's unbelievable yeah you
0: know, like, everyone's so young money twitter is like a bunch of guys that look like us and everyone's young <laughs> as fuck
1: doing yeah the same like, shit if you're over 30 and money twitter you are old you know and probably over 25 to be honest at this point you know um, that's <laughs> me and your me and your partner are old yeah like, and that's what i mean that that's the kind of why i think there's a little bit of a bubble around it so we look outside of that and the best talent we found are people who have one been there and done it before. So they have worked in some kind of tech or they've worked in an agency or an e-commerce or something um relevant. This gives them the the kind of the know-how and the information that they need to kind of come and hit the ground running. Like our managing director Kate, she worked in multiple agencies and an e-commerce agency and did loads of stuff in digital. So it's like she's not coming in and even though she doesn't know the world we're in, she can adapt. The second thing is when you're interviewing those kind of people, the answers they give and the questions they ask are much better. One thing that I love is seeing what kind of questions people ask back to me in interviews. And granted, I'm actually out of the hiring process for the most part now. Yeah, I made some terrible errors in the hiring process. So it's probably a good thing. But the questions they ask back, you can tell that they actually have thoughts going on (laughs) rather than... People saying what you want them to say. I'm going to ask you something. Because yeah. I think it's going to sound good and impress you. There was someone I actually hired who, like in the interview, I remember coming away. And I was like, he's either telling me everything I want to hear and he's perfect or always perfect. It's one of the two. And um and same thing. It ended up he just told me everything I want to hear. And that's the, the thing. When people are older, a lot of the time, we have a, our general manager, he's the late 50s. You know, he just tells it as straight as it comes. And for a business, that's such an important thing because a lot of people live in this kind of delusion within their business where they don't actually really focus on what the real issues are. And having people there who aren't your yes man, who aren't just going to say, your ideas are great is such an important point. And you need people who are going to come in with their own ideas. And if they can't, and that's why I like the, the, what questions they ask us, because it shows them thinking through things in their own mind if they can't ask those questions they can't give you that critical feedback then your business is only ever going to be as good as you and you could be the greatest entrepreneur like jordan you're a great entrepreneur but you're not the best at everything you know you're not the best at building product you're not the best at marketing you're not the best at sales you're great at those things but you're not the best person in the world at those things and you shouldn't have to be that's why it's a business you know you're not a freelancer it's, awesome. And that's the difference, I think, where I'm seeing so many people on Twitter go wrong. They think you can only hire young kids who are hungry, who are in this place, who understand it, rather than thinking, actually, why not take the insights that I'm learning, train people who have more experience in business, and give them the insights that we have, and let them implement, let them come up with ideas that we didn't even think of, because we're only isolated in this small little bubble of the internet. Scaling your
0: agency month over month is hard. You have to work on delivery and worry about retention and sales, appointments, managing your team, and so much more. I was able to grow a multi seven-figure business and remove myself completely from the day-to-day operation. If you want to do the same, I will show you the exact process I followed to hit the $2 million per year run rate and completely remove myself from the operation. If you want to build the dream business and live the life of your dreams, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash value. I will show you how to build a business that can grow and operate without needing you. Once again, this is eightfigureagency.co forward slash value and I will give you my best training ever for free. That was a great observation about Money Twitter. And I I think about like, who are the people teaching people on Money Twitter? There's a lot of programs where like, I'm going to teach you how to build an agency. But, you know, I'm 25 or I'm 24, I'm 26. I've made two, three mil, whatever the number is but even every one of my, no one on my, I'm the most tenured and like experienced person on my team. And I think the difference <laughs> between like our businesses, we're like, for our executive teams, we're the least tenured. Right. Yeah. And hundred percent, I think that's what distinguishes us. You know, I, there were two conversations that came up in my mind as you we were saying that I had, we have one, one consultant on team's name is Alan. Alan's been in business for four decades. Like this guy's you know, you don't really get more tenure. You could do some math, right? When do you When do you go into the industry? You have four decades, right? Um, there's been no one more transparent on my team, and because he's been in so many different industries over four decades, and he's built he's built two companies, the largest of which, Jacob, sold for over hundred mil. He has a very unique perspective. And then we have another consultant on our team, Herbert. Um, he's full time on our team. He is seeing things in a very unique perspective too, right? And He's been a COO and a CEO of multiple eight-figure companies in several different sectors, one of which was an agency. Uh, and he just has these small like positioning changes. Like, hey, we're saying visionary integrator. That's what EOS says. We need to come up with our own terminology. Well, that's so small but so profound at the same time. Mm-hmm. That was yesterday. And I think at the start of the journey, to your point, we can't fucking afford to pay for the great time. But once you get to 50 a 100 Hundred thirty k, it makes all the sense to cop up. I mean, I'll I'll tell you guys, like when I look at really good talent like that, I'm looking at minimum like two hundred thousand. We we had a conversation with a guy last week, you know, annual comp three hundred thousand. I'm like, fuck, like, but I also know if I make that higher, it's going to make the world a difference. I won't have to think about him ever, which is great. So I think these are great points. I want to transition to a final question, then we'll we'll kind of chop it up. We talked about talent. And how really that was the big thing for you guys. It was like talent is on running as a systems. We didn't really talk about systems. I want to talk about two that came up come yep. up in my mind. We had um a profound insight for you guys last year was the top two. I called it the four hundred one. You branded for yourself, ah. which I love. And then I remember we had like end of day reporting, which was huge. And that end of day reporting starting to create like this loop where your team will get better on their own. I thought those were really two profound insights that you guys had that. Start helping you out a lot for your training mm-hmm. and development. Tell us, for everyone, what are those two systems, and how did those help optimize the operation for your
1: business? Yeah, so I'll start with top two This is one of the uh, we still use this every day. So we use that in multiple ways. I know again, you have your four one one. It's basically how we reverse engineer what we're trying to achieve, and essentially saying two goals that we can. Focus towards, and, and typically they're more input focused, so you can control them because most people focus on outputs, focus on how much money they need to make this month. And, and essentially, when you're doing that, you are going to make bad decisions because if you're saying I need to hit 100,000 this month, then you're going to push people over the line. who you shouldn't push over the line, and that's typically what happens. you it know, time and time again. So, we focus more on the input side of things. And we say, okay, well, in 12 months, we want to be here. In three months, we want to be here. In a month, we want to be here. This week, we need to do this, you know, and daily we need to do this. And essentially we take the goal, say, okay, well, what do we need to do at every stage to hit that? what are the kind of key milestones almost? When does it need to happen? And then from there, we're able to actually say, okay, well, on a daily basis, on a weekly basis, what does our team, what do the departments need to be looking at? So now our team, we set the monthly ones for our, our team and the execs will also set theirs for their department. We'll check, we'll make sure everyone's happy with it. It's all in alignment with the overall business structure. They'll go back to their teams, feed that into their team, say, okay, what's your monthly top twos for yourselves? Then on a weekly basis, the teams will feed in, okay, here's what our weekly top twos are. Here's what we need to achieve. And then again, down to a daily. And the end of day reporting kind of comes into that as well. So we'll actually feed back on the top twos so, we'll do a monthly review. Okay. Were the top twos achieved? Yes. No. Okay. If no, why? What happened? What's the kind of the root cause of that? How are we going to make sure that doesn't happen again? Weekly, same thing. And then daily, um, we have the Slack channel set up. So, what happens is they'll feed in just in the Slack channel, say, so here's the top twos. End of the day, they'll go back, reply to that, and say, okay, completed or not. If not, and our execs are checking this as well, making sure that people are kind of filling that out. If not, again, why, what's the plan to correct it?
0: I love probably more than anything when like the student becomes a teacher, right? Like, because I remember distinctly in my head, like we're going through this and you know, there's nothing up until this point and how you guys really perfected it for your business. I love how you have the, that's unique. People are posting, you're posting a top two at the start of the day. And then at the end of the day, you're following up with the plan and just becomes this circular loop where, you know, it's really simple in operations, right? If you have a problem and you have visibility, what's the issue? What's the root cause? Why did it break? Or what's this why why didn't we hit this thing or why did we miss our target? Whatever, here's my plan to fix it. And then the next day, here's my top two for today. Here was the follow up from yesterday. And and it with the accountability the executives reviewing this and just creating visibility, I got hit up, I posted about this concept on Twitter last week and someone's like, yeah, this seems like micromanagement. My first thought was eh you have no fucking clue what you're talking about. <laughs> um, but for those of you that might be thinking is that's that's crazy that's micromanagement. it's not. Micromanagement is sitting over someone's shoulder throughout their day checking in on them consistently. Having reporting and is visibility, it's accountability. Yeah, if you think exactly. about if you think about any sport, any sport and like cuz you know Jacob you're in London, right? You're in England like when you were playing European football, right? You know the data like, do we, like, you know, if we missed any tackles, you know, if you let up a goal, if you know, if you had an assist, like all the data is there for everyone to fucking see. That's how it needs to be in business. All the data needs to be completely transparent because if we're underperforming, it's just people to be seeing, oh, hey, what happened here? Oh, let's fix this. Let's coach you on it. Let's develop you on it.
1: So I think systems. That oh visibility point is so important. And what we've found is as the grow- the team has grown, like we're about a team of 40 now, which is ridiculous just how quick Wow. Oh, like, uh, oh yeah. Yeah, it's growing fast. And at that point, everyone's always in ramp up. You know, they're still learning as they're going, all this kind of stuff. You know, We doubled in the last like 90 days, like, uh, 60 days even, since like, Christmas. And at that point, what's happening is the further up you go, the less visibility you get.
0: Exactly. So
1: me and Jordan sitting at the top, we really only see a lot of what the execs are doing now. The execs are meant to manage everything else. So you know, we're training the execs we're making sure the execs are doing what they need to do, that they're not just doing what they need to do, but going above and beyond, you know, and and giving that 100%. And they're then doing the same for their team. And it's all just training and reducing the feedback loop so that people can know where they're going wrong, improve and making sure that at any point, if what they're working on isn't the highest priority, we know about it before they spend too much time wasting on it. Yeah, we're shifting it. And this is how you get the whole organization to row in one direction. I was speaking to uh, a founder the other day. He's doing about 100 million in um, sales. And he mentioned that they time every single person. So everything is grouped. So everyone's working on things at the same time. So it's all like they're all rowing in one direction. It's very, very interesting. And that's, I think, the difference is that people... Just starting out, yeah, it may seem like micromanaging, but it's actually essential to get to where you want to go. No,
0: it's just it's just high performance, right? Like if you go into any any sport, and I think sport, business, and sports are so closely correlated. The novices don't see it, but you know, you get feedback all the time, and it's just let's make this tweak, right? Let let's do this; it's going to lead to this result. And I, I one more example, then we'll we'll turn the tables a little bit. Spoke to a founder yesterday. He's like, Yeah, my VP of business development is underperforming. We're doing about a million a year, but I think we could easily do three or four. Our average ticket is about 50K per sale. Right. So he's like, If we book 20 appointments in a month, we're going to hit, he's going to add a million dollars in sales. I'm like, So why aren't you? He's like, He's not hitting his, like, he's not booking enough appointments. He does business development. I'm like, Okay. What are his KPIs? How many emails did he send a day? Because they said their primary method is called email. He's like, Oh, he hasn't hit it. And I'm like, All right. So how often are you check in? He's like, Every two weeks. I'm like, Dude. There's your problem. You need to have a fucking daily like daily. Um, if if he if he needs and we've figured out he's like he needs to send 100 emails a day. Like that's if he sends 100 emails a day, they will earn a million dollars a year. Like literally that simple. But he never hits it because every 2 weeks. So twice a month, the start of the month and the middle of the month, end of the month, the guy finds out if his team his VP hit the number and like so stupid. So yeah.
1: Big bad loop. Like the long, like and this is something that I've really drilled down to our team recently is just like the feedback loop from individual departments, but also just between departments, like needs to be shorter. Like it yep. needs to be so quick yep. so that as soon as something happens, we know the results and we know how it all links together. So you can keep making decisions. The longer it takes, you can leave so many gaps and inefficiencies in your business that long term, those little gaps turn into massive cracks and gaping holes. And that's where things are Essentially, everything that you built starts falling down, falling apart, foundational crumbles.
0: And I'll give you one more thing for the listeners. Um, I went into a eight figure business seven months ago, and they had really shitty structure, they had no reporting, they had none of this like, no intentionality. They had churned 80% of their talent over a two year period. It has taken us seven months to fix the structure, the foundation, seven fucking months. They went from 12 million they scaled down to eight million annually they lost four million dollars in annual revenue because of how poorly their operations were and it's taken us seven months and now we had a I had a debrief with the founding partners yesterday and I'm like hey we're actually we're, we should wrap we will wrap this month and we will be good so I was just coming in there to fix the operations but it took seven months so like that's why this is so important fix it build it the right way when you're sub a million a million two and you won't get to 12 million and ramp back down to eight Jacob before we wrap <laughs> for everyone listening is there just on this journey right because you've had a really amazing journey in less than a year you've been able to build two businesses the accumulation of both you're doing like i said four or five million annually in 10 in you know like 11 10 11 months what's just the big takeaway at least from our experience together around if you had to boil one two points that you're like fuck if i knew this a year ago i would have done this in six months instead of 10, 11
1: months. I think the first one is hiring 18 talents sooner than we did. I think it's hard because it's easy to say that it's hard to know what 18 talent looks like till you've gone through it. But a lot of the time spending more, like you just said earlier, you know, you're going to spend 300,000 on someone. We're looking at a similar kind of person. Spending that much more is scary, but the exponential return on investment is, is, it's so big, it outweighs everything. And we would have progressed faster with less talent, but more 18 talent. And that's something that we're taking and using now as we move forward as well. That's probably like I could give someone the number one piece of advice is starting to scale up. It'd be look for that 18 talent. The second thing for me is partners. And Jordan, from our experience, we had, you know, I see you as a, a partner in that sense. And saying, so, you know, you mentioned Wiz and all these kind of people. We truly believe in partnerships. I know growth partners. <laughs> there you um, go. There it is. We, you know, Jordan always says the smartest decision he ever made was giving me half of his business, like for him. And, and that's the same way. Every time I've done a partnership, every time I've built and developed relationships with someone, the business has grown exponentially. It's the same thing as kind of coaching and mentoring. But I think there is a, a massive thing to be said about building long-term partnerships with talented people doesn't mean you have to give away your business, but for example, John, me, and you—we we talk all the time. We share insights, and that the exponential return on your business again is going to be massive. If you can give people equity, don't be afraid to. So a lot of people will hold on to that, but again, a smaller size of a bigger pie. You still make more money, and that's yeah. kind of a block. Or I see a lot of people have. I
0: couldn't agree more. So I've onboarded my COO full time recently. He was, he was doing consulting exclusively. I'm like, I need you in the COOC. And when I started having that first conversation with him, but part of my selling point to him was like, how much are you making in a year? What's your upside in your company? It's like, it was an eight, He was an eight-figure CEO of another eight-figure business. He's like, making this much money plus bonus. I'm like, do you own any equity or revenue share? No. Cool. So I own 100% of my business. This will be a $100 million business. Whether it's five or 10 years, I don't know. It, it will be. I don't want all, I don't want all the equity. I need someone doing this with me from, you know, that perspective. And we do have partners in our business that do have revenue share, but that was part of the selling point. Like, I'm like, Hey, you could
1: get a slice of this
0: pie and it's going to be fucking dope. So yeah, I think that's a great point.
1: They work hand in hand, you know, partners and 18 talent at at early stages. It's one of the, the only ways you can get really talented people in. And I think that's part of why you need such a big vision. You know, you're saying 100 million, we're saying 100 million. That gives people the room to grow and express themselves. Great and also, like, entrepreneurship is, is lonely if you try and do it on your own. You, know, you yeah. need people around you, that's where the that energy comes from, that's where the growth comes from and the enjoyment of the process. Yeah, I'll make my
0: second point and then we'll, we'll tr- tr- finally turn the tables, but <laughs> you mentioned the partners. Like, We're not engaging anymore in a consulting relationship, but you know, we're still talking and like, that's where we're gonna talk about our businesses on this call and just kind of share insights of what we're learning. I look for those. Like Wiz of Ecom has, he has upside, he has a revenue share in my business where he's helping with our marketing. He's building landing pages right now for my business. He's doing all this shit. I, I'm i not a marketer. I don't fucking know that shit. You guys are. We have Colrude Johnson, who's amazing. He's hooking me up with his cold calling team in Belize. Like They don't focus on B2B, they focus on B2C in the real estate investing space. He's giving to me a crazy, crazy rate. I have two managers of this facility figuring out our scripts and cold calling. And I have them hitting me up last night. Hey, like we tweaked it. We actually got two people were following up. We should be able to book two calls. If we book two calls a day on 250 dials, you know, we now add about 40 new calls a month, right? And it's kind of these relationships. And then one of the things I was saying with you was like, hey, like you're running ads, I'm running ads. Why don't we just put whoever's running our ads in contact together so they could just share insights So we could just scale together, right? And it's those partnerships that, you know, it might not be equity, might not be revenue share, but my team calls it all the time, Jordan, your network's fucking crazy. How do you do it? I'm just like, dude, just fucking add value to people and build relationships and make it reciprocal. And you scale so much faster with friends that are doing something similar, big ambitions, but the access I have guys like you from the brand that I built, but then also the value we add is insane. So great points. So guys, we're going to transition. We're going to kind of just chop it up as uh, as homies now. But um, Jacob, what do you want to dive into first from this? Because I know we, we spoke about a month ago. We spoke kind of like where we're at. So this is now, guys, just this is a very casual. This is as if Jacob and I are talking and no one's fucking watching. What do you want to dive into a little bit? Because I know we were speaking about lead gen last month and stuff. But
1: For both of us, I think one of the biggest areas of our focus in the last few months is, has definitely been lead generation. You know, we, we both dive deeper into Twitter. I did some, la- I did a launch running Twitter ads, as you mentioned. I think that's where my enjoyment as an entrepreneur comes from is like being able to actually market and express myself in that way. And I think that's one of the best things I've had over the last two months, specifically, is just like the complete freedom to do that, that's- which is like, it's been what I always knew I was going to have. It's probably a little bit sooner than I thought it was going to be. But that transition period there has been very fun. And being able to test as much as I am, being able to learn along the way has been <laughs> so much fun. What are you testing? Because. Testing? <laughs> okay, so that's a great point. So here's a
0: we're doing the webinar. Wiz and I are talking actually right after this. Wiz and I going to call. So if you want to, actually, he's in a different Zoom room. So if you want to surprise him, I could give you the Zoom link if you have time <laughs> to say hi but we're doing the webinar funnel. I think we're shooting for next week or the week after. And then yeah. I know you guys are talking, so he's going to hook me up with that. You're doing webinar, you're starting to run ads, are you running ads exclusively to the webinar? Or you're running, because we're running ads to a, a landing page, a squeeze page um, through quick funnels that I, fun fun quick story, quick tangent, I funnel hacked client ascensions. I told, <laughs> I told Daniel, I told Daniel Fazio on um, Black Hat Wizard, I was like, hey, man, I just want to let you know out of respect, I am funnel hacking you guys because I know you spent a lot of money in this. I wake up the next day, fucking he IP blocked me. I can't can't funnel hack them anymore. And I hit up my buddy Mark Max. I was like, yo, this guy actually blocked me. But I have a VPN. I went into the VPN and finished funnel hacking him anyway. (laughs) I was like, all right, so now I have to tell people I'm funnel hacking them afterwards and just show my, I don't know. I guess I don't need to show that, but um what's your Twitter strategy? Because for us, it's literally just f- copying client ascension and iterating and we're just starting iteration. <laughs> iteration. Like, what
1: are you guys doing? We're kind of testing everything and exploring to other channels as well. So Twitter's great, but there is a limitation and client ascension has a big foothold in the market. So we're not limiting ourselves to that. I'm leveraging the brand that I have. I'm leveraging the brand equity i built as well by just not really asking for anything. So DMs going out, we're looking at potentially putting like setters in there for, and, and building like, our S, we have a big SDR team now who are, are really nice. ramping up. So we're potentially building them out on, on profiles as well. Again, more DMs from there, so we can really hit that hard from there. Give away as much value as possible all the time. We have kind of two main landing pages, one which I stole from you and Wiz, which is the resource page. And, um, one, which is just like kind of a cool funnel opt-in kind of thing, which I have funnel hacked everyone for. <laughs> so not just Twitter, but I've gone to everyone I know who's spending a lot of money on ads and just taken what they have adapted it, and made it better. And that's like part of marketing. And I'm testing about four different opt-in pages right now, different claims of everything. Wow. Right. I'm so deep. We're, we're spending an awful lot of money on ads this month. <laughs> what are you spending on ads this month? Oh, spend about 30,000 this month on Twitter ads. Love it. Love it. And the 200,000 we spoke about earlier will hit that without ads. So, ads is on top of that. Wow.
0: I'm really excited to see what you guys do. Like, which of those four landing pages or squeeze pages and that strategy is going to work best? What do you anticipate? Because I know you have, you have your DMs, you're running ads. So, you're running ads to the landing page, but you're also running ads to your webinars too. And I know your webinar did really
1: yeah, well a few weeks ago, right? Yeah, the webinar i ran to the warm audience the first time around because i thought it makes sense this time literally from tomorrow i'm going to start running it to a cold audience as well so i'll be able to give you more info kind of after that we're running right now we're running it to an opt-in and then basically they can book on a call with us if they qualify we're doing well with the calls because we we went from like zero to 1,500 a day like overnight on ads which is By the way, a terrible idea and definitely don't do it. We're doing Um,
0: 20, I mean, my ads guy is so methodical. He's one of our clients, he's great. Um, He's like, yeah, we're gonna do $20 a day first and then we're gonna slowly ramp up. I'm like, (laughs) let's put all the money. He's like, no, dude, you're gonna waste a lot of money. If we do that, let's do it methodically.
1: That's the approach I normally take. I probably wouldn't have spent it as much as we have out of the gate, but we went for it anyway. (laughs) <laughs> so that's kind of that's kind of mine and Jordan's motto. It's just like, eh, we'll just do it. And it, it it's and worked it. out well so far. And um, I think that's, you know, one of the things to me is like, if I break even on this, I'm actually happy, which sounds so backwards for most people. But if I factor in ad cost and operational costs to this and the amount of data I get back from this and knowing that I would have found the angle that kind of works and scales. And that's really all I'm interested in right now is finding the one angle, finding the one claim, finding the one funnel, so to speak, that I can run. Like all the great marketers I know, they've had multiple different winning angles, but it's always been one angle at a time that they run up. That's really what I'm doing right now is getting the data to understand what that angle is so I can scale one angle across multiple platforms, not just Twitter, figuring out that cold traffic angle. What are the other,
0: what are you talking about? Like Instagram, Facebook, where those specific ones are?
1: Everything, we're we're gonna test everything. Yeah, we're gonna start, over the next month, you're gonna see us put content everywhere. So it's content on everything and then- I hope I see your YouTube ads. That'd be great.
0: (laughs) Are you talking to Brian on Kata for YouTube?
1: um, Yes, so we are looking to engage with Brian as well. The only thing with Brian is, he wants to, he only works for people who are already spending £30,000 a month consistently on and platform. Part of the reason why we did 30000 on Twitter to prove to him that this is the right thing. Um, oh,
0: wow. So you're, you're trying to, I was asking if you are going to ask for like, because I know like when like Daniel Fazio, he just like was giving him like, here's what you should do. You're saying oh, we no. want to
1: hire them to run. Partners. Yeah. Partners. Wow. Everything we do is partners. Like I, I kid it's you safe. not, like, we just partnered it. with someone within our the growth partner itself, who's going to do all our short form. They come in, they work, they get access to everything, but they're going to do our short form for them. Like we truly believe in partnerships. Like I think that's the point that so many people mess up on the growth partner angle. Like even you're saying it here, like it's an agency and kind of stuff. It's it's a service based business, but like the difference with us is like the partnership approach is what makes us unique. And I think that's where a lot of people don't understand it. It's, like. There's not many clients, like from my agency at least, that would want to work with me for 12 months, sign those kind of agreements, pay that kind of fee, where like the partnership, when you actually nail that positioning across and truly also Mm -hmm. believe in it, the upside there is so big because it's such an easy sell. (laughs) I love it.
0: We're going to be able to have back-end access because we're working with adspend.com now. So we'll make sure that on an operational level, you guys are you guys are <laughs> full throttle. I had written down, I saw this yesterday and it was timely. I had written down as a note from our last conversation, your telegram group. I'm curious because we're talking about a lot of things. And what, what's like your present state attribution looking like? Like how many appointments are you sending in a month?
1: We did 350 appointments last month. Wow. What's the attribution of that look like? So... Organic Twitter was like 40%. DMs is. Was- when you say organic
0: Twitter, is that from content, not ads? content being pushed to an option? Yeah. So
1: you're booking 100. I mean, you got a bigger platform than I do. Yeah. And also, it was, it was halfway through a launch as well. So, like the, the beginning of the month, the beginning of Feb, there was, we were still in a bit of a launch. So the data will be slightly skewed. One week we did like a hundred calls in a week or 150 calls in a week or something ridiculous, but I think it goes basically Twitter organic, which is like the opt-ins. Then it's like Twitter DMS. Then it was the email list, which I have about four or 5,000 people on there. Then I have the telegram, which was slightly less than the email. So the numbers probably like, and then we also have cold email as well as a channel, so it's probably like 30, 30, 20, 10, 10, like percentage roughly
0: where do you capture your data like um, i could show you mine mine's super clean in air table like
1: where's it where's what's we your do everything we do everything in hubspot and we've also just got hyros and transitioning everything there so we we use hubspot because where we want to get to we know that we need to have a massive capability and we have some plans with it in the future as well but there's a lot of functionality with HubSpot. It's not the most clean it's actually you need pretty much someone dedicated to HubSpot to make it work, which is a bit ridiculous, but long-term, I think for scalability, you know, when you're running, like I, we have the ambition to spend hundreds of hundred thousand pounds a month on ad. So when you're running that scale, you need a CRM that can really support that. I'm going to
0: make an introduction to you on Twitter. So his name's Preston. He runs something called mainline. They build a, they have a software that's custom targeting. So with the restrictions of Twitter and this and we're using them, but with the restrictions of Twitter, you know, you had to like target a follower, like someone's followers, like pretty broad. They have a, it's really cool. I think it'd be worth your time to chat with him to see if it helps you optimize. Um, Do you want that intro?
1: Yeah, always. This is this going back to like the partnership stuff and like (laughs) the network you build and like the people you're in touch with are like so valuable for where you're going to get to. It's like so important you have, the right people around you and the right network around you. Yeah, I mean, it,
0: these random convert introductions that I get like are invaluable. <laughs> I've had one more at the top of my head, I can't remember it, but. Um... No worries. Okay, so that's that's in your DMs.
1: Thank you. Real quick. Oh yeah, are you are you guys doing cold calling or no? So we're calling leads who opt in and like from email, like, positive responses, stuff like that. We don't have a full outbound team in the Growth Partner yet. We do have that function in FE now as well. So, where um, are your
0: cold callers, like geographically?
1: Where are you thinking? Uh, so, obviously, we're in a UK time zone. So, we focus on, um, we've found great talent in Africa, like fantastic. I think you put us on to- South Africa
0: specifically like
1: good um, kenya actually kenya i have two
0: items in Ke- i love
1: kenya. yeah kenya's right. really good um that came from going on holiday to zanzibar over christmas and we were like talking to some people and, like they just came across really hungry and yeah that that works well as well and we have we have talent everywhere though yeah we have um mentioned so we have our
0: cold calling operation that's just getting started we're starting with a list of five thousand. but one of the things we're going to do when someone opts in to call them um, and when you have a cold calling operation, you, you could just have like a screen pulled up. So I'm booked a lead. You could call them immediately because they're already calling people. So you might as well just use that. So that that's my strategy. Yeah. I'll
1: Yeah. Have you already started that? Or is it starting? So we, the cold calling
0: operation started last week. So we're still optimizing how script. Like I'm not doing anything. They're fucking. And hey, I can introduce Cole's you. To a Cole. Cole. Cole's a fucking homie. 24, four businesses. Cole's great. You guys would jam out, but he's, he's the one that connected me with his Belize talent and I could tell you offline, some additional logistics there, but their management team is like, I have two managers fucking working with one cold caller just to optimize script and make sure people call in. It's fucking nuts. I'm very bullish on that because you, you know, you calls however many people you optimize the scripts or, and then you use that to, when someone gives you your information, you could call them with their software. They have capabilities of calling any, anyone. I forgot what software I'm using, so I thought it, I would have to call the United States, but it doesn't matter. If the software will call any country, any anything like that. So, nice. if you want, I can make an intro there. That was the other one I was thinking of. But I forgot before.
1: Yeah, happy to, always happy to have conversations, with people. I think it's uh, as I said, it's important for where we're trying to get to. And um, the outbound stuff is interesting. So definitely let me know because we're not because marketing to me is a high leverage activity. So the more marketing we can do typically the bigger the return will be. So more channels, uh, different things like that. But that said, if you're, I'm guessing you're calling agency owners in the US specifically at the moment. Yeah, but the list has, you know, we're going to,
0: I didn't realize we could do anywhere in the world with this list. So we will call people in the UK too. Yeah. Yeah, so here's what I'm going to do. Because we got a minute, so we're going to wrap up. One intro's in DMs, one intro's in Slack. And I know you don't really check Slack so often. So check that Slack (laughs) message. Or would you prefer it in Twitter? Because I could do it in and my Slack
1: channel. Or- it. so it's fine. That's fine.
0: Yeah, but Cole's, wor- Cole's thinking just like us, man. He's thinking at the $100 million level. He's one of those guys that's just like, yeah, like he's. I need him in my network. He's epic. They have an amazing call process. So I would imagine you guys will you'll be able to show him some stuff in the marketing and he'll be able to show you some stuff in the calling side. Awesome. Jacob, we're going to wrap up. For everyone that wants to learn more about you, follow you on social, get in touch with you, sign up for your programs. Where should they Where should they go?
1: Best thing is just go to my Twitter straight line ad. Uh, in there, there will be a link in the bio, and um, to get free kind of training resources, whatever you want, and booking a of time to talk as well. If you're interested in learning more about what we're doing as well.
0: I love this guy. Like, there's a few people that I work with that I actually build genuine, really close relationships with, and him and his partner Jordan are like two of my favorite people ever that I've worked with. They're legit. They're amazing humans, and they're fucking hungry. So. Guys, give him a follow if you don't rate. Um, And if you do, well, now you know he's a real G. Jacob, great seeing you again, mate. Have a wonderful evening. What is good, agency owners? Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you were looking for support growing your agency and are not sure the best way to do that, go to eightfigureagency.co forward slash call where you will book a call with us and we will start our process to help you figure out what is the best way to grow your business. We're going to review your systems, add value, and help you understand a new model and system that you can start to build that is going to easily enable massive growth this year. Once again, that is 8figureagency.co forward slash call, where we will help you scale your agency and add $10,000 in MRR per month. Cheers.